We are dealing with some profound divisiveness in the states right now, don't you think? Now, we've always been divided on a number of issues. It's kind of this charming, annoying legacy of the United States in a way. But we're arguing over situations like the causes of COVID-19 and the best ways to prevent it. We're arguing over the legitimacy of the information that we even share with each other, even if it is sourced and cited and everything like that. Some folks really don't like Bill Gates with a, a fiery passion, I've noticed. The vaccine debate, speaking of, isn't even something I want to bring up right now. But we're going to have to at some point because it is an important discussion, and uh, so that's going to be an interesting one to have. And people are all over the place on whether stay-at-home orders are even okay, whether they're legal, and if they are legal, whether they should be happening in the first place. Um, so we're hearing about these different things from various perspectives. Our society has been upended. You've heard it said by some, well, death is bad, but I'm more concerned about the toll this thing's had on the economy, you know. And it's true, our economy has indeed seen damage that will take time to recover from. But this issue opens up what I see as an ideal opportunity, however inconvenient, to discuss what truly works and does not work in our current economic models with long-term effectiveness in mind, aka sustainable societies. I call this situation ideal because we're staring at a case study development in real time on what can go right and what can go wrong and what just doesn't make sense during a pandemic. On top of all this, a huge amount of us are processing this at home and it's a different situation for everyone. Some of you, for example, have kids and other folks that you live with, uh, that you share your space with, which can be the kind of mental exercise that can't be truly understood unless you're in that situation. Personal time is often rare, if experienced at all. And then there's our poor, poor extroverts just bursting at the seams with a lack of socializing they never prepared for. Oh, the first world problems. Oh. And we introverts might be doing just fine. Uh, you would know for sure, though, on account of how we're covertly, if not gleefully, disappearing from existence. Folks have begun using this unanticipated non-work time slash free time in so many ways. And I'm very interested to see what cultural changes emerge from this. I've seen people on all sides deeply depressed from fatal economic wounds and health concerns, even navigating hazardous domestic living situations. But then I've seen a side of us that's been nothing short of inspiring to actually notice. We're painting, we're knitting, we're sewing, we're gardening, we're breaking the canoe back out, instigating camping trips, we're organizing, we're playing music, we're decorating, we're getting more family time, or just getting outside more. Just getting outside. A close friend of mine, for example, is having the time of his life right now. After he was forced to live on unemployment, he essentially made a choice. He could either sit around and wonder what's going on while playing video games all day and get stressed, or he could not do that. So he got up, and I've barely seen the guy since all of this started. He's going fishing. He's doing landscaping. He's camping. He's bike riding. Dude's doing anything outdoors he can do right now. He's just having the time of his life. He is stoked on life. Not everyone has the same opportunity, but my point is he's making the most of what some would consider a helpless situation. We'll get more into that later, but for now I want to talk about what it would be like if an entire society understood the importance of disagreements and differences of opinion and beyond that uses those divides to create a third option to progress. A society efficient enough to use this third option as a standard 
is one that is far less vulnerable to the divisive issues we see ourselves plagued with today. How do we get to this point then? Is it too idealistic to believe that we can emotionally grow as individuals and as a society enough to practice this kind of synergy? Well, that's what our topic is on today. We're going to talk about the cure for divisiveness. We're going to talk about listening to each other. We're also going to talk about how important it is to value other people's opinions over ours. Ooh, that's right. So indeed, let's get back into it with a brand new episode, our first ever video episode here on episode 10 of the Sustainable Culture Podcast, Listening to Each Other, The Cure for Divisiveness. So yes, indeed, welcome back to the show. I am so thrilled to be sitting here right now doing this whole video thing. This is so much fun. Um, I get to experiment with lights and recording equipment and a brand new microphone and all this really, really cool stuff. Um, it's just really, really fun to, uh, number one, do the podcast in the first place, but uh, to be able to actually um, have you know the ability to you know, digitally look at your little faces and uh, all this type of stuff is is just so much fun. Um, and I'm just thrilled to be back. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, you can listen to this, by the way, on all of the regular uh, streaming, you know, sources that I've already released this on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, um, all that good stuff. You can listen to it on all of those things still. Those will still continue to happen. But now you can actually uh, view this on YouTube. So if you're listening to this on one of those sites that I mentioned or one of those platforms that I mentioned, platforms, that's the word I was looking for, hey, um, then you can also go to a, a brand new YouTube channel, Sustainable Culture Podcast YouTube channel. Make sure you go to that and you actually subscribe. Every single podcast episode will now be videoed, so you can actually watch this stuff on YouTube now. I'm going to be releasing all kinds of fun little videos in between. You're going to see lots more content coming out from the podcast from now on, so it's very, very exciting. I'm super thrilled, and uh, can you tell I'm excited? So going back to the topic at hand here, we're talking about listening to each other and developing what some folks call synergy to cure divisiveness. And Stephen Covey, some of you may have heard of Stephen Covey from his wonderful and absolutely fantastic book that you must, must read called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. In this book, he talks about the gates that you can actually open with skills like this. Um, in the book, synergy is the sixth habit that he actually explains. And he says that when we only see two alternatives, ours and the quote unquote wrong one, uh, you can always look for a synergistic alternative or a third option, as I was mentioning earlier. So long as we work with a win-win philosophy, 
which he covers in much, much, much more detail in the book. But for now, you can kind of understand what that means. If you're in a conversation with someone and you're trying to solve something, come up with a solution that works for the both of you, that's a win-win philosophy. If you enter into the conversation with the desire to both come out as winners, not just a, you know, what he calls a win-lose philosophy in which I would win, but you wouldn't necessarily win or they would win. And I wouldn't necessarily win because I'm a giver. I like people to be happy over the needs of my own. Um, That's not so healthy either. So when you approach these things uh, with a win-win philosophy to create this third option and really seek to understand who we're speaking with, um, we, we see huge dividends come from this. And so I absolutely love the way that he puts this in the book. I have a quote here that I want to read to you guys from the book. If this doesn't make you want to buy the book, I don't really know what would. Um, now, there's a lot of gold in this, so I'm going to read it to you. And then I'm going to break it down sentence by sentence. And we're going to talk about that in a bit more detail. So I absolutely love the way he puts this. He says, the person who is truly effective has the humility and reverence to recognize his own perceptual limitations and to appreciate the rich resources available through interaction with the hearts and minds of other human beings. That person values the differences because those differences add to his knowledge, to his understanding of reality. When we're left to our own experiences, we constantly suffer from a shortage of data. Now, it's it's so one there's so much in here so let me back up and and let's cover this a little bit by a little bit so first he starts with the person who is truly effective and i want to touch on that word effective because for those of you who've read the book you already know what he means by that but when he speaks about effectiveness and um versus let's say success or efficiency Um, It's probably more closely related to efficiency than anything. But effective versus efficient is is a little bit of a different thing. If you are an effective human being, according to the way um, that Covey puts it in his philosophy, if you're effective, then you're doing what uh, you can, everything you can, to further your own emotional growth and your own growth within your own relationships. You're focusing on yourself. Um, And if you'll recall in episode uh, seven here, when we talked about my guide to sustainable thinking, um, what we spoke a bit about there is how important it is to grow yourself before you're able to influence your society. You can't you can't have a a whole bunch of uh, things around you be fixed when your room is completely filthy. You have to what I've heard it said, as some people say, you have to clean your room. You got to clean up your own stuff first. You're riding in an airplane and they say, put on the mask first and then help your little baby. You know, that kind of stuff, that is, uh, it's, it's saying that you're not able to help other people unless you help yourself first. Now, to some people, it's such a, oh, right, yeah, it's a duh kind of thing. But it's, it's amazing to me if you, and it, and if you observe in your society, um, it's so rampant how few of us go around thinking that and and we're all guilty of it i'm very guilty of this when we are effective human beings what we've done is we have focused entirely on priority number one is it's not this selfish desire to say me 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 my desires come first that's that's not what it means what it's kind of referring to is saying that I can't help you, which should be your top priority. Your top priority should be 
to be there for your society. That should be your first priority. Now, if your first priority is yourself, in a selfish way, you have some things to look into there. You have some soul searching to do, my friend. If you are completely focused on you and only you, your desires and your wants and your dreams and your needs and all that stuff is the only thing, you're just looking out for numero uno, then you're only going to get so far. I mean, we see those people in society. We see those people in movies. We see those people in books and stories. And the examples are everywhere of how little that gets you in life. Okay. Independence is one thing, but to grow past that, to grow something, to grow to something beyond independence, most of us haven't done that. Uh, most of us are still working on regular old independence. So I'm tangenting here because the word effective in relation to this philosophy here is so crucially important to realize um, as far as personal growth and the, you know, the desire for interdependence beyond independence. It's, it's so important to kind of look at that and think, gosh, you know, if, if I could somehow enhance other people's lives, thereby enhancing mine, that is just this cyclical, continuous joy that comes from that, isn't it? So that's what he means by essentially what he means by uh, effectiveness. He goes into that in much more detail in the book. So now that I've tangented for like 10 minutes, let's go ahead and go back and actually look at the rest of this quote. So he says, the person who is truly effective has the humility and reverence to recognize his own perceptual limitations and to appreciate the rich resources available through interaction with the hearts and minds of other human beings. In other words, the person who is truly effective is humble, has enough reverence to truly understand the limitations of his own knowledge, his own perceptions. And uh, if you think about perceptions, you're thinking sight, you know, sound, speaking, all of this stuff can be enhanced by speaking with another person. And he goes on to explain this. The person that values the differences, that person rather, that person values the differences because those differences add to his knowledge. So we've learned at this point in this effective uh, paradigm here, we have learned that someone who is different than me, someone who views things differently than I do, um, is something that is inherently valuable to me because it is nothing but an enhancement of knowledge from where I stand. This is a whole life that, that I'm unaware of. I don't know how, what this person's been through. I don't know anything about that. And, uh, and that's an exciting opportunity there. And so he continues on. He kind of caps it off here. He says, when we're left to our own experiences, we constantly suffer from a shortage of data. And I love the way he puts that because now some of you already know this. I'm a total science goob. I love science. Um, I'm a science major. I'm not going in school right now, but when I'm going to school, it's environmental science. I love reading scientific papers literally for fun. I know. Um, so, you know, this type of stuff is stuff that really, really gets me going. But when he says we constantly suffer from a shortage of data when we're left to our own experiences. Now, we're talking about independence when we're left to our own experiences. And some of you are going, well, what's wrong with independence? Isn't that what we're fighting for here? Isn't that, isn't that what everybody wants? 
Well, sure. Independence is something we need to get to. It's the step past dependence. And uh, some of us who've had, you know, relationship troubles in the past and different things like that have experienced the issues that codependence can actually bring on on uh, not just a couple, but also friendships and things like that. So the step past in or the step past dependence and codependence rather is independence. And so sure, we should be striving to become as independent as we can and really become our own people and things like that. Um, but by doing so and and considering that the last option, this final ultimatum of who we are as human beings, I'm independent, therefore I am me or whatever it is. We're this ultimate version of ourselves. We constantly suffer from the shortage of data. And you might be thinking, well, hang on, Jet. What if I read books? What if I educate myself? What if I read other people's autobiographies and things like that? Well, I suppose, sure, that can help a little bit, yeah. Um, but when we listen to other people, don't you think that just reading and staying away from talking to other people, don't you think that's kind of an easy way out? I mean, I think it is. It's harder to talk to other people. <laughs> it's harder, even so, to speak to someone that we disagree with on some issue. Um, like, let's say, for example, in the political spectrum, um, you know, you have someone on the left and someone on the right. They generally don't talk. They don't usually meld. They don't typically meet in the middle and go, you know what? You're right. I think you're right on this point. I don't know very many situations in which we've seen that. Certainly not in Congress. Certainly not, um, you know, in different situations personally. Um, you, we've all heard the jokes about, well, don't mention politics at the dinner table at Thanksgiving. You know, that kind of thing. Because we don't want to get into these topics and whatnot. But... Don't you understand that this whole shortage of data philosophy here, um, how real that is, you know, we're talking about the opportunity here to gain data. And from the scientific standpoint, in science, you know, we cannot, it's impossible, literally, to, we cannot come to a conclusion on anything we're studying unless we have more data. We need as much data as we can possibly bring in. The more data, the more concise the results, the more accurate the results. And so the more opportunity we have to collect data, the, the better chance we will have on solving whatever question it is we're trying to answer in science. So when we have the opportunity to collect data and we voluntarily turn it down, who's the ignorant one here? You know, is it the person who thinks they're right and avoids all other opinions? Or is it the person who wants to share their opinion and also wants to, you know, talk to the other person and maybe learn about what they have to say? Who's more in the wrong here? Who has the shortage of data? Are you the person, and ask yourself, are you the person who has this voluntary shortage of data because you won't listen to other people? Or... Are you the kind of person who wants to hear what other people have to say, who desires to learn about what they disagree with, um, who desires to learn? It doesn't have to be something you disagree with, but it might just be a situation in which, you know, you're completely unfamiliar with. So let's let's break that down a bit. We're talking about listening to each other. As I mentioned, we're talking about getting in the mindset of learning from one another. Now, in order to listen to each other, and let's break this down. 
Now, in order to listen to each other and to do so effectively, we've got some work to do here. We've got a few things that, uh, and this is, this can often be very, very difficult. I know for me, it is extremely difficult, and it's something that I have been really working on, and it's something I'm going to be working on my entire life, you guys. Um, but think about this for a second. For those of you who are also really difficult um, as far as uh, uh, listening, I, I'm so bad at it. Because what we're working on here is listening not merely for an opportunity to respond and contribute to the conversation, at least that's what we've convinced ourselves, but what the goal should be when we're speaking to someone else, the spotlight needs to be on them. You see, when, when we're speaking to someone and we're truly listening to them, and many of us have had the very fortunate experience to, you know, have someone who we're talking to and look at the look on their face the intention that they show you when you're speaking to them, the way they pause when you finish speaking, the way they repeat what you just said back to you almost exactly, or even paraphrasing what you said back to you in an even more concise way. Doesn't that feel amazing to be listened to? Doesn't it? I mean, it, for me, when I have people who listen to me, and granted, I like to talk. <laughs> so um, when I let out a whole bunch of blah, 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 blah nonsense, and then I have someone share with me what I'm saying in a way that shows me not only do they care about what I'm saying, but the fact that they're actually taking it in. What that tells me is not only do they understand me, but they actually care enough to give me their time and their effort. You know, it takes effort to listen to someone, doesn't it? So when we look at someone and we say, you know, in ourselves, in our mind's eye here, we're saying, I'm going to listen to this person with the intention of learning something very, very important. Um, I want to learn about something that I've never experienced before. And I'm going to really try and go beyond just putting yourself in someone else's shoes and understanding the fact that you could never be in someone else's shoes because you don't know what their shoes feel like. And let's, let's expand on that for a minute. And by now, I hope you figured out on here on episode 10 that I do nothing but speak in tangents. Uh, so buckle up for the ride. And uh, here we go. <laughs> so um, as far as this concept goes, let's let's start. Let's back up a bit. This concept of listening to someone with the attention of understanding them to the point that they feel appreciated and valued as a human being. This is deep stuff, you guys. This is, this is therapy. If you trace these things back, go back into the spider web of your thoughts and your emotional connections to these thoughts and things like that, I'll bet you that if you have an insecurity on something regarding anything, I'll bet you money that it most usually, anyway, will relate to someone or maybe a collection of people in where somehow you didn't feel valued in those moments. So what I mean to say is there are many issues where you can actually trace back into your emotional connections to different thoughts. If you have insecurities on different things, a lot of times you may find, unsurprisingly so, that those things are linked to not feeling appreciated in those moments, not feeling understood, not feeling heard. And uh, in a previous episode, I, I had briefly, on one point, I had mentioned the fact that when we don't 
listen to one another, then we don't understand one another. And if we don't understand one another, then we can never come to a peace between each other. Without understanding, without that, you know, understanding is the road between one another here. If we don't make the effort to understand where the other person is coming from, we don't have to agree with it. We don't have to live the same lifestyle. That's not what I'm saying at all. But when we at least make the understanding uh, a core priority here and we reach that point, then we can, bare minimum, we can come to a peace between each other. You know, we see this issue lacking in, in all throughout history. Wars, you know, all this stuff. There's been no understanding between the two of them. There's been no win-win philosophy even entered into the conversation. So we need to, as a society, grow past this. And that's what we're talking about. So when we sit down, let's talk about some different techniques that you can kind of use. Um, very simple stuff, really, um, but challenging in the moment because if you're anything like me and you really like to talk and you really like to be involved in conversations, you know, um, it can be very difficult to shut yourself off and just listen to the person in front of you. So I ask you, those of you who are listening, and I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you, you know who you are. Are you a replier? Are you a story topper? Are you the kind of person who relates by sharing a story about yourself? That's how you talk to other people. If people tell you a story, oh man, I had a hard day at work today. Oh, I'm just feeling so distressed about my boss. You know, just, I'm just, the schedule, they just, I can't get past the schedule. They keep scheduling me these ridiculous weeks and I'm just this and that. And you're so concerned about your schedule and all this stuff. And then you respond with, yeah, man, I know I had, uh, I had, you know, my own situation at work the other day and it's been hard for me too. And that's the way that you respond. What are you communicating to the person you're speaking with in that moment? Are you telling them, I listen to you and I care about you and I'm so sorry about your situation at work. Like, is that being conveyed by you sharing your own story? Or is the message that's being conveyed instead something that says something along the lines of, you know what, your story's cute and all, but my story's better, so I'm going to share that. And that's really the only vision that I can look at your situation in. So, you know, like... When I put it that way, I mean, it seems awful lazy, doesn't it? I mean, when someone talks to you and they say, yeah, here's my situation. Your situation, cool. Keep that to yourself. Here's my situation. I'm going to put my situation here in the spotlight. You're kicking them out of the spotlight, man. And you're just saying, my situation matters more than you. So what are you doing in those moments? And I'm saying this a lot towards myself. I do this all the time. To where I say, you know, I am the only one that matters in this situation. I don't mean it that way. Sure not. But that's what's coming across. So how do you listen to other people? Are you repeating what they say back to you? Are you shutting off your mind? Are you listening to reply? Or are you truly making the effort to take in what they say and think about how that must feel and, and even respond with, you know, if, if you're not an empath, that's fine. I'm not an empath. But even acknowledging the fact in that position that, oh my gosh, I could never imagine what you're going through right now. I can't imagine what that must be like. That sounds terrible. That sounds painful. 
that sounds very exciting. That sounds incredible. What did you do next? You know, like stuff like this. This is, you don't have to empathize if you don't have the ability to do so. It's okay. You won't have the ability right away if you've never done it. You know, you have to practice empathy. You have to work on that. That's a skill that some people just innately have. And I'm very jealous of you empaths. But, you know, for those of us who struggle with that, it's important to use whatever tools we need to to really grasp onto that moment. So let's let's practice this, okay? So if you have a thought in your head when someone talks to you and they're trying to say, you know what, I am going through whatever situation it might be. It might be a bad situation, it might be a good situation. And all you want to do is you want to reply with your story. Oh man, this reminds me of that time that I was in high school and I went through the thing with these friends and I had a great time, terrible time, whatever. If you're thinking of all that stuff and it's not going to go away, do what you got to do to shut that up. I'm telling you right now, your friends, your family, everyone in your life, an acquaintance, someone you're just meeting, a total stranger, everyone will appreciate the fact that you shut up for just a second. You shared in that moment the fact that you care about them enough to take a little bit of time away from yourself for just a few minutes, an hour out of the day, even for just that short time, you cared enough to shut up. <laughs> and I'm saying this forcefully because, you know, I, I have this personal vindication, but to just shut those thoughts off for just that little bit of time and to actually focus on them, focus on the person you're talking to you know, really, really learn what they've been through. Because let's think about this. Let's let's uh, go on to our next topic here, which is empathy and really identifying what other people have been through, okay? How are we supposed to listen to each other if we've never been able to be in anyone else's shoes? Well, I can only speak for myself. How am I supposed to even care about what other people have to say? I get that, I do. I do, I do, I do. If there is something I can empathize with, it's not being able to empathize. <laughs> if you cannot empathize, if you cannot put yourself in other people's shoes and you have no idea what that's like, you're thinking, how in the world am I supposed to do that? You don't have to. You really don't have to. What's more important than empathizing is making the effort to do so. Now, you recall in the episode we did um, with Courtney Jackson in Hair Care, it's episode six, we talked quite a bit about thought and effort being this core element. And we talked about it again in our sustainable housing episode, episode nine, where that thought and that effort going into the situation is more important than the actions presented in the situation itself. So let me give you an example. Let's say you are, you know, and I'll, I'll use our housing uh, episode kind of situation as an example here. In, a, in sustainable housing episode, we talked a little bit about, you know, building an entire housing uh, development and doing so sustainably. Well, you could do this one of two ways. Let's say the goal is to do this sustainably. What is behind the goal? The goal is great. Okay, the goal is great. We all have like our little favorite companies and favorite organizations that we follow, uh, favorite uh, influencers and things like that. Um, and there's different things that motivate our, you know, uh, our 
are being a fan of those things or those people. But goals to be sustainable are great. Let's go beyond that, though. What caused those goals to come into fruition? Where did those goals come from? Do they come from a truly sustainable mindset or not? How can we determine that? Well, let's look at that. So let's say, for example, in a housing development situation, when the planning begins, before any boots touch the ground, before you know any of that happens, when we are planning this housing development, we say to ourselves and we work out with the people that we're working with, all of our business partners and everyone involved, we say, we have to approach this with a sustainable goal in mind here. What are we going to do? The priorities at that point, before the goals are even set, I would argue are 10,000 more important, 10,000 times more important than the goals themselves. The goals are very important. We have to set these goals. But what's the motivation behind them? Is it so that people will notice you? So that you can make more money? Maybe so you can attract a certain type of customer base, that kind of thing? Or is that mindset there to start with for the betterment of each other, for the betterment of the land around you? It's for the health and well-being of that actual environment, that kind of thing. That's a much different way to approach things, don't you think? So this whole episode is a bit of a ramble, but I want to stress the importance of how listening to each other and really valuing who we are as human beings, like how that can cure divisiveness. All right, let's so let's say we're speaking to someone that we disagree with entirely. Let's say a Trump fan and a Bernie fan are talking to each other, just for example. And I mean, you don't see the two coalescing very often. You know, you don't see that very often. So how can those people blend in the middle somehow? Well, they're not going to do it by shouting at each other and saying, you're right, you're wrong, or you're wrong, and I'm right. No, 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 I'm right. And we need to do this to the economy. And no, we need to do this to the economy. And we need to do that with immigrants. No, we need to do this with immigrants. Nothing's going to happen. All right. If you're one of those people who gets into those arguments or has gotten into those arguments, myself included, been there, what are you doing in those situations? What was your goal when you entered into that conversation? Was it to convince the other person that they were wrong? Be honest with yourself. Yes, it was. That was the goal, right? That was the goal. Yes, your goal was to convince the other person that they were wrong and you were right. Admit it to yourself. Number one crucial point. Admit that you and your opinions can just shut up for just a second. Just admit, just admit that for just a second. You can share your glorified, sparkly little opinion anytime you want. Why do you have to share it right now in this moment with that person? Why? Why do you have to enter into that Facebook comment feed and say, you need to do your research? Why do you got to do that? You know, instead Imagine the difference if you were instead to enter that conversation and go, that's an interesting opinion. What makes you think that? And then just wait for a response. Not asking that so that you can bait them into saying something that you know you're going to disagree with so that you can then go, you know, oh, well, I, you know, I have a source for that. Instead, just saying, what makes you think that? With the effort to really understand, wow, what? That's interesting. I completely disagree with this guy. Why? 
does he think this? Can I understand the way that he's thinking? I wonder what would happen if I did understand the way that they thought. I wonder what would happen. I wonder if I completely understood why this person that I disagree with behaves the way that they do, believes the way that they believe, votes the way that they votes, that they votes, votes the way that they votes. What would happen if I completely was able to see where they were coming from? I don't have to see things from their, you know, I don't have to step in their shoes per se, because you can't understand what that's like. You've lived your life. You've never lived anyone else's life. How are you supposed to understand what someone else's life is like? You've never lived in another reality except for this one. <laughs> so if you can't step inside someone else's shoes, truly, even if your situation is similar, and you make that effort to understand them, how would that change your vision on reality? How would that shift your entire mindset? Ding, ding, ding. How would that shift your mindset on that particular issue? How would it change your mindset on that person or this type of a group of people for that matter? You know, if you're a person in a particular religious type of affiliation and you spoke to someone who was completely different than you, all right? If you're a Muslim and you speak to a Christian, if you're a Christian and you speak to a Hindu, if you're a Hindu and you speak to a, you know, a Taoist or something like that, if you make the effort to go, now that's a difference in opinions here, that's way outside of my paradigm. What makes you think that way? What exactly brought you to that thought? That's interesting. I've never experienced anything like that. That sounds like something I could never imagine. Can you explain uh, what brought you to that opinion? Can you explain, you know, this or that or whatever? I'm just using this one example. But when you, when you really value that person, they feel valued. They feel like you care about them. They feel like you, a total stranger in many cases, care enough about them to learn about them. You learned about them. Um, Tyler C. in the Community Experiment podcast. What's up, Tyler? Um, he talks quite a bit about stories and learning from one another and how important that is. That is his core philosophy on that podcast. Is he talks about the importance of learning from one another, about how each one of our stories defines our communities. It really does. So how are we supposed to pretend that that's true if we don't listen to each other? And if that's the case, if we are going to refuse to listen to one another, why are we surprised that we have a divided society? If we refuse to listen to one another and we refuse to step inside the, to the best of our abilities, step inside the lives of someone else, which is a very different reality, by the way, then how can we expect we know what that's like? How can we expect that we know we're right no matter what? How can we really guarantee that we're right in that situation? And the truth is we can't. It's impossible. So when Stephen Covey talks about this idea of synergy and working together, you know, we can't work together until we feel a trust with one another. Think about a team, a football team, for example, sports team of some kind, or uh, a team uh, in, a, in a professional situation or something like that. When you have a team of people that trust each other, 
who have invested in one another, that kind of thing, they're going to work better and much more effectively than a team that does not trust each other, who hates each other. You know, you put a bunch of people who disagree with each other in a room and you tell them not to listen to the next person, they're going to fight and they are going to do everything they can to make that team not work. And some of you have been in a position like that. Some of you have been with, you know, uh, uh, in, a, in an environment with people that are like that. No matter what, they're going to make sure that they've done everything they can do to make whatever situation you're in not work. And when you're in a situation instead where before you even had to be involved in a situation that you worked together in some form or fashion, you put the deposit in their emotional bank account there, to, for another Stephen Coveyism, you made a deposit into their emotional bank account. I care about you. Here's my deposit. I'm going to give my time to you. You always hear this phrase, time is money. Time is way more valuable than money, folks. So if you give your time, the most valuable thing that we really have as human beings, because money's money's money, it's real, but it's kind of fake. So if, if we give time to someone, this is the most value I could possibly give you. This is the most valuable thing that I am giving you of mine. I'm giving you my time. I'm giving you my mental energy. I'm giving you everything that I've got in this moment because I care about you as a human being. I don't know you, or maybe I do. I don't know. The situation's going to vary. But if I make that effort, if you make the effort towards someone, somewhere, for any reason, to understand why they are the way they are, what brought them to that conclusion, you know, why is red your favorite color? I hate red. <laughs> whatever it might be, if you make the effort, they'll appreciate you for it. They'll respect you all of a sudden. There's an interesting amount of trust that comes out of that from the other person. We all know this to be true because we've all experienced it. Who do you trust the most? It's usually the people who listen to you the most. It's usually the person who understands where you're coming from. The person who gives you the benefit of the doubt because they understand your background. It's usually those people, isn't it? And, and think about that for a second. Think about the lesson I want you folks to take away from this ramble of an episode of listening to each other and curing divisiveness is the people in your life whom you trust the most. Think about why you trust them. Think about the people that you love the most. Why do you love them so much? Is it the people who listen to you the most? Does that correlate? Oftentimes, it, it does. That person knows you more than anybody else, right? Right? Because they do. And if that's the situation, you need to do some soul searching, my friends. Figure out if you're listening to the people around you. Are you in a situation in which all you share is your story? You're just a speaker box with feet. You know, if that's the case, you're loud, man. You're loud. And, you, and people can only handle so much of you. People only want you around for so long. If all you're going to do is share stories about yourself. You know, I saw a joke the other day about Leo. I'm a Leo. And, you know, I saw a joke the other day about uh, things, that, characteristics of Leo is one of the quotes. And I laughed 
so hard was has never asked a question. <laughs> and it's in many cases, it is so true for me. I've found it very difficult to grow to the point of learning to, you know, uh, to understand. And it has enhanced the lives of those around me, thereby enhancing my life, folks. If you enhance other people's lives, all of a sudden, you're enhanced. It feels so good to make somebody feel good. And it, it, there's, no, there's no topping that feeling. Just, just hear me out. I, I plead with you. Because we live in this time where, you know, if you say, what's so bad about Bill Gates? And the other person across the table is like, let me tell you what's wrong with Bill Gates. And, and you know, what happens at that moment? Are you going to disagree? That's okay if, if you disagree. But who's going to make the effort to listen? Who's going to listen first? So I challenge you this week. I challenge you for this week. If you're going to show the people around you that you care, you actually care about who they are. You care about whether they die tomorrow. And I'm being very serious right now. If you're going to show that you care about the people around you, because they want you to show that, even if they don't tell you. But if you're going to show everyone around you that you care, if you're going to show your society that you want it to survive, you want it to be long-lasting, sustainable, then you need to wake up and you need to shut your mind off and just destroy your ego for just a little bit and listen to what people have to say. Try it for one day. I'll bet you it'll be an amazing experience. It'll be enlightening, if nothing else. Try not sharing your opinion for one single day. One day. Try it. If one day sounds like a challenge, you know you've already got a problem. So, one day, listening to those around you, not sharing your opinion, curing divisiveness. This is the cure for divisiveness, my friends. We can create a long-lasting society if we decide to by using these tools. So I want to thank you folks so much for uh, joining with me on episode 10 here. It's just been a solo episode about how important it is to listen. And, you know, it's, it's just been me sharing my thoughts. So I appreciate you guys taking your time so sincerely to, uh, to show the support to the show. Um, I want to make sure that you know about a few key things, okay? Number one, I have a Patreon page. For those of you unfamiliar with Patreon, it is just a website where that allows you to, if you so choose, if you feel so inclined and you want to donate to the show, you want to see this show become something way bigger and more awesome and just something more than it, than it is, and you want to donate to the show, you can do so on that Patreon page. You can do a one-time donation. You can do you know a monthly donation. You can set that up. Whatever you decide to, if you decide to, no pressure. But if you would like to see the show grow, go to my Patreon page. The link is below this video here. If you're listening to this, it's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash sustainable culture podcast. Go on there and and feel free to do whatever it is that that you would like to do as far as donating. I can't tell you how much I would appreciate that beyond appreciation. If you donate anything 
you know, you don't even have to let me know that you donate. But if you do donate and I notice that you donate and I see you in town, I will give you a hug. I will do whatever. Well, maybe not right now. It's COVID culture. <laughs> but if I, if anything, uh, that would, that would certainly help. If you want to see us grow, that's the way to help. Um, also, uh, we are going to be starting uh, a book club here. My first book is on the way. I am so excited. Um, I'm going to have some friends of mine actually joining in on the fun. Um, so it's going to be uh, a uh, bi-weekly, monthly thing. You're going to start seeing more episodes of the podcast because we're going to have these regular episodes. Interviews are still going to be happening. And then I'm also going to have the book club episodes intertwined in there as well. So there's a lot of growth already going on. Um, obviously, none of this was ever a thing. But if you want to see... Uh, that happened quicker, definitely join. You don't have to donate or anything, but if you're a listener, I would ask that you subscribe in whatever format you like to do so. And if you're on Spotify or Apple or Google or whatever, on Stitcher, YouTube, everything has a subscribe button. So if you're into the show, please subscribe. If you're super into the show and you feel so inclined, please do donate to the show. And, um, and I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of you for listening. I'm very excited for this new age, this new chapter, this new video, uh, uh, you know, uh, deal with the podcast. And so, um, yes, you can tell how graceful I am at explaining that. So, <laughs> so thanks again for listening to the show, everyone. If you like what you've heard and you like what you've seen, please subscribe to the show and share us on social media with your friends and family. Remember, you can find us with a new episode every month. Um, and possibly more often now on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. You can also find us on YouTube now or wherever you do your podcast listening. Please subscribe to the show on those outlets. I'm Jet McLaughlin, and thank you for listening. <laughs>